who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. And the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we're children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. I remember Amy from the time she was about three years old. Amy was one of these little kids that would run through the church building as I was serving in a ministry prior to moving here 14 years ago. And I watched as this little girl over a 16 and a half year period just grew up into being a beautiful young lady. And she graduated from high school and then she also went on to college. And then after we left and came down here through Facebook, we saw pictures of her wedding and then the birth of her two sons who are very, 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 did I mention very active? And, uh, and she's just has a beautiful family. And the guy that she married, Dan, is an, an incredible guy. And they recently announced that they're going to be adding to their family through adoption. And on Facebook, they posted a picture where they showed that they were pointing to the country that they were going to be using and it was the country of South Korea. According to adoption.com, the average cost to adopt a child from South Korea is between thirty and $40,000. And that includes legal fees, that includes adoption, agency fees, travel, passports, various other expenses. And I'm sure that Dan and Amy, as, as wise as they are and as I know them, are the kind of people who have really thought this through and they know how it's going to happen and what kind of a difference it's going to make and what it will take. And even though the process will take time, Dan and Amy and their children are very excited to be able to love and nurture a child as a true part of their family. And one of Amy's friends had just started a fundraiser not too long ago where uh, she's trying to help offset some of those costs. Now, I don't know how much they're going to be able to do, but um, she, she started a, a, a thing where uh, she's selling T-shirts. And after the T-shirt is printed uh, and it says, Love Crosses Oceans, but after the, the T-shirt is printed, uh, the cost of the T-shirt is going to be covered, but then all the proceeds are going to go to Dan and Amy to help offset some of the costs. Because others are sharing in the joy of what's to come. You see, when love drives you to adopt or do something like that, the cost is never the focus. The joy of being united with a person that you've chosen to be a part of your family is. Over the past few weeks, we've seen how God has chosen us to be his, how he's chosen us to be his kids and part of his family. And and while it's hard for us to even grasp the significance of all this, God, in all of his knowledge, has determined somehow that we would still be given the freedom of choice. 
He is sovereign, but yet we also have the freedom to choose what it is that we're going to do. And oftentimes he says, you need to choose. And this is one of those times. And in Ephesians chapter 1, he basically, if you, if you put all things together, while giving us the freedom of, of will to go ahead and choose him, God has also chosen that anyone, anyone who accepts Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, or her Lord and Savior, and surrenders to God's grace by faith, has been chosen by God. And watching someone choose to follow Jesus to God, uh, brings God a whole lot of joy. Jesus told a, a bunch of stories in, in Luke chapter 15. And he told the story of the lost sheep. And he told the story of the lost son. But right in the middle of that, he told the story of a lost coin. And this wasn't just an ordinary coin. It was a coin that was really worth an awful lot of money. And the lady that lost it went through everything and she cleaned out her house. She emptied the furniture because it it was worth a lot, possibly as much as a year's wages. And she finally found it. And she said, rejoice with me. I have found, you know, calls her friends and says, hey, let's party. I have found what I lost. And then Jesus adds in Luke chapter 15, verse 10, In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now, earlier, he says in in the parable of the lost sheep, he says, well, the angels rejoice. But here, he says, there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God. And I've thought about that. Who's there other than the angels? Well, duh, God is. And can you imagine God jumping up out of his throne when somebody turns to him and he says, yes! And he just parties and said, come on, let's celebrate. Another one of my kids has come home. That's why Jesus said that the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. That was his purpose. You see, we live in a culture of instant gratification. You don't want it, or you don't have it, and you want it, well, buy it on credit. Or you want to go do something, go ahead and do it, but hopefully the consequences won't be all that serious. And somehow, everything will just hopefully disappear. And I'm here to tell you folks that that mindset always gets us in trouble, doesn't it? It's not long before the purchase is no longer special anymore, but the payments are big. It's not long before that act which bought some quick thrills and quick pleasure now has consequences that not only affect you now, but could affect you for the future. On the other hand, Jesus practiced something called delayed gratification. You see, he went through discomfort. He went through pain. He went through heartache. He went through all sorts of different things. He bought into the motto that was very popular in athletic circles just recently that said, no pain, no gain. 
And Hebrews chapter 12, verse, verse 2 says that we need to keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, the joy of our adoption as children of God and as brothers and sisters to Jesus himself supersedes the cost of having to suffer on the cross. So great was his love for us that he was willing to go through all of that. And Jesus wants every single one of us to be adopted into his family, so much so that he was willing to endure our punishment. He was willing to endure our sin put on his shoulders. He was willing to suffer our deserved separation from God and cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me so that we wouldn't have to cry out like that? Just so we could be his. That's how great his love is for us. And that, that God the Father was willing to let his one and only son endure all of that stuff on our behalf also tells us how great God's love is for us and how great his joy is when he offers the opportunity for us to be adopted. But along with the joy of adoption, there's also the power of adoption. You see, the other day I I watched several videos, Will and I both did, about adoptions taking place. Um, maybe the adoption of some, some adults adopting a child or a daughter or something. We also watched some of a stepchild beginning adoption proceedings and then get, giving dad the notice, hey, would, I've started adoption proceedings. Will you adopt me as yours? We had a lot of allergies that day, Um, you know, just kind of, I went and got a box of Kleenex. We went through the whole thing. No, I'm just kidding. But it was a very emotional time. It was very stirring. Those were powerful moments. Because that's what being chosen does to a person. Will's going through foster parent training right now. He wants to be a respite caretaker for foster children so that foster parents who are taking care of them throughout the week can have a little bit of a break, maybe on weekends or special occasions and things like that. And folks, we need that in our culture because there are far too many children who are abandoned and left to their own devices. And if we don't have something like that, Children can end up being involved in sex slavery. They can be caught up in other things that will be just as destructive, if not more so. And yet, when it comes to foster care, it's temporary in many ways. Most often, a lot of times, it is. And there's a lot of uncertainty, not only on the part of those who are hosting the child, but also on the part of the child itself because sometimes they just don't know. What's going to happen next? Am I going to end up being in another home? And and there are a number that end up moving from one place to the next to the next to the next. 
And by the same token, foster parents are able to go ahead and, and, and look at the child and say, will this be a good fit for our family? And, 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 but they're also given the freedom to opt out of that. It's good. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to cut it down. But it's uncertain a lot of times. Adoption, on the other hand, is far more than that. It's a choice to make a relationship last a lifetime. It's a choice to give a person who is not a current family member the same standing as other family members. An adopted person is not one of lesser standing in the family, but with just as great a meaning as the other one. One who is not only included in the activities and in the joys and in the frustrations and the challenges that every family faces, but also as being a child of that family, they're also entitled to full benefits. They're also entitled to an inheritance. They're also entitled to all those things that families are willing to do for each other. Please understand, folks, adoption is not an intrusion. It's an inclusion. In God's economy, his adopted children do not get leftovers. They become equal heirs, please hear this, of all of his riches right alongside his son, Jesus. That's what that passage that I read earlier just talked about. And so we find out in verse 15, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Abba. That's an Aramaic word for dad. And it connotes, it carries with it the meaning of not only honor and respect, but also intimacy. So much so that scholars have looked at the various terms that we're using. It wasn't uncommon for slaves back in that culture to have, uh, to have a term that they used for father for the owner, the, their, their owner. But they could not use this term. They could not use Abba. They couldn't use the the one that focused on intimacy as well as respect. And being adopted by God means that you and I have a father. We have a dad. We have a daddy. Someone that we can go to and, and, and allow for him to throw his arms around us. There's something so powerful about knowing that we can approach him about anything, anytime. And that we have his undivided attention. This past week has been nothing short of a roller coaster for me. Most of you know that uh, I've been uh, looking at the possibility of going going to India. And uh, it just wasn't working out. We weren't getting our visas. We weren't getting anything. I was supposed to travel with a group of 15. It didn't happen. Got word that they weren't going at all. And then my visa came through. 
I was told I had 72 hours. It came in 40 hours via e-visa. Bottom line is I'm going to India. And I'm going to be spending two weeks there sharing with a mission that we have supported for a number of years. But I cannot tell you, folks, what kind of a roller coaster ride it has been. It has been excruciating to go up and down. I, I, I'll tolerate roller coaster rides over at the amusement park, but this is the kind I don't like. You get my drift? It was excruciating. Uh, if you don't believe me, talk to my wife. I was a basket case. And it was just really, really hard. And yet I cannot tell you, I cannot tell you just how much God was in all of that. I cannot tell you how much I felt his presence with me as I was going through all those uncertain moments. I cannot tell you just how much of a comfort he was, how much of a source of strength he was. When I had no strength to give, he gave it. And for that, I praise him. And I'm confident that he will be with me as we go through this trip. I'm confident that he'll be with my wife as I'm I'm apart from her. I'm confident that he will be with this church and allow for her to thrive as I'm away. But a lot of people don't have that. They may cry out to God, but they don't feel like he's there. In the past, that's exactly how people felt. They felt that God was in many ways inaccessible. Back in the Old Testament times, they had a tabernacle. They also had a temple. And it was, the temple was designed right after the pattern of the tabernacle. And the temple or tabernacle had three areas. There, there was a court where people gathered. There was a place where the sacrifice took place. There was also a holy place. And then there was the most holy place, the holy of holies. And God was supposed to reside there. And once a year... One person, the high priest, was allowed to go into that place to make atonement for the sins of the people. The people were so afraid that something might happen to the high priest and they weren't allowed to go in there to get him if something happened to him while he was in the most holy place. So they'd tie a rope around his ankle in case he died because they didn't want to go into the holy place. Instead, they wanted to be able to pull him out. (laughs) What a contrast that is to the picture that God paints for us in Hebrews chapter 12. Because in Hebrews chapter 12, or chapter 10, verses 19 through 23, excuse me, he talks about how we can boldly come before him, how we can confidently come into his presence, not because of what we have accomplished, but because of who he is and whose we are. Listen to these words. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, referring to Jesus, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. 
Folks, that's powerful. God has made a way when there seemed to be no way. And so if there is joy and there is power in adoption, then when do we experience adoption in our lives? Well, quite simply, we also have to go through a process that God has established. I watched other videos this past week. Videos of adoption being made official where the family appears before a judge. And it's not until after the judge decrees that that child is theirs that the adoption takes, is, is now fully in, in, in place. I shared that some time ago my nephew uh, and his wife went through that process to adopt their now daughter, Peyton. She had lived with them for over three years. They had cared for her as if she were their own. But that adoption process with the judge and the picture that they were able to show was incredibly, incredibly special to them. And those who have been through an adoption process, maybe there's somebody in here can tell you that that moment was a defining moment in their life. Not that love began at that point, but it was a recognition that the love that has been there and lets the, it, it, it is, now, is now fully incorporated and allows for the family to grow as it was intended by having chosen and by being chosen. And I would suggest to you that baptism, the idea of being immersed into water and coming back up out of the water is our adoption ceremony into the family of God. The Bible teaches that at baptism, those who place their faith in Christ and all that he's done through the cross and the empty tomb have their sins forgiven according to Acts chapter 2, verse 38. They are also clothed with Christ, according to Galatians 3, 26 and 27. They are added to the church, the body of Christ, 1 Corinthians 12, 13. And they are given the Holy Spirit of God to live inside of them as their seal and as their promise, as their guarantee, their down payment, that what is in store in the future that God has prepared for those who love them will become a reality, will become true, will become a shout of joy and celebration. And that they will have benefits that are literally out of this world. And some people think that baptism is a work that we do. And I, respectfully, I couldn't disagree more. But the reasoning makes sense because sometimes we think that baptism is something, if it is something that we have to do, that somehow we're minimizing God's grace and God's saving power. And I couldn't, I disagree with that. Because while baptism is something that we submit to, God is the one who saves us. 
He alone forgives. He alone clothes us with Christ. He alone adds us to his church. He alone fills us with his spirit. We haven't done anything to deserve it. We still receive it. And he alone chooses us to be his as we choose Jesus to save us. And we say, Jesus, I believe that your death and your burial and resurrection is so powerful that I choose to be clothed with you. I choose to die to self and I choose to be clothed with you. And in the, de- in the baptism, we reenact the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, which is the defining event in history that tells us that Jesus alone can save. Last Sunday, Pam and I went to Nags Head <clears throat> to participate in something pretty special. Chrissy Vaughn's baptism. Chrissy's back there. Uh, Chrissy, raise your hand a minute. Okay, there she is right there. You can go congratulate her afterwards. And we had talked about baptism. We had talked about going ahead and and, and surrendering to Christ. And and, and she just came up to me and she said, Mark, can, can we do it in the ocean? I said, I've got nothing against the baptistry, but could we do it in the ocean? I said, sure. You know. I need an excuse to go to Nags. No, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but, but, but we went out there, and, and, and it was a special time for her, uh, special memories and special, special meaning. And we went out into the ocean, and the ocean was not very kind. Uh, we have the scars to prove it. <laughs> But instead, the baptism ended up taking place, and we're going to show a video of it here in just a moment. The baptism ended up taking place in a pool overlooking the ocean. It was still very special. And that evening, we celebrated Chrissy's adoption into God's family and rejoiced that she had taken the step to be adopted by God on his terms. I'm looking out here and I'm seeing a whole bunch of adopted children of God. But I also look out here and I see that there are probably some who are still foster kids. And maybe you're dealing with uncertainty. Does God really love me? How can he after all that I've done? See, those are things that foster children struggle with. And the reason we have the cross up all the time is that the cross of Jesus Christ reminds us. It reminds us that God never gives up on us. The cross of Jesus reminds us that he never lets go of us no matter what. He's always ready. No matter what it is that we've done, no matter what we've thought, to welcome us, to love us, to adopt us by forgiving us. And for those who have been adopted and been ba- by being baptized, baptism becomes your stake in the ground because I don't know of anybody who has already accepted Jesus and been baptized on, uh, into him who has not messed up. Anybody? From the time you were, you were baptized, you lived a perfect life? No way, Jose. That's not been the case. 
but it reminds us of whose we are. It reminds us that we were born into the family of God, that we were chosen by him, that we were, that we were adopted by him. All we need to do is simply to come back, just like a kid. Dad, I messed up. Dad, I'm sorry. And we need to repent. And we need to return. We need to allow him to renew us. But those, for those of you who have never been baptized, please know that baptism is not solely about placing membership in your church or in this church. If you want to talk about church membership, we can do that. Baptism is about responding to God. Baptism is about surrendering to Jesus. It's about you saying to God, yes, I want to be your child. And so today, we're going to offer an opportunity for anyone who chooses to be baptized into Christ and to claim the promises that God makes available to all of us and to claim Him as Father as he claims us as his children, and he does that regardless of our past. He promises to guide us in the present, and he points us to a better future with him as our father and with us as his children. You see, I'm adopted. I belong to him. And folks, I can tell you confidently that I have never, ever, for one moment regretted that. And God wants to adopt you too. And the question is, are you willing to do that? I'm going to pray here in just a moment, and then we're going to stand and sing. But we've got a pool of water here for anybody that needs to make the decision to be baptized. And we invite you to do that on behalf of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He wants you. He wants you to follow him. So after the prayer, our praise team is going to start singing and leading. You can praise. You can also, if you choose to do this, go down past here or past there. There will be some people down there to help you. And there are t-shirts like this. There are shorts. There are baptismal robes. Whatever you want to put on, you can put that on and choose to follow him. Father, I just come to you right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for just declaring to us and to the world that you want us to be a part of your family so much. That you want us to belong to you so much. And you paid an exorbitant price for that. 
effect, there, there is no monetary value to it. So we just come to you right now, asking that you, Holy Spirit, would be in this moment, that you would speak to every person here as only you can, and that you would move us to action as you see fit. I pray in Jesus' name.